Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. This episode is brought to you by the Gutsy Health Membership Program, a program that gives you inexpensive tools and resources to heal your mind, body, and soul. Visit our website at mygutsyhealth.com. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I don't think I've ever started crying before I start an episode. Um, Wow. Okay. Collect yourself, Shanique. Today's a really scary episode for me just because um, I'm going to be sharing my story, my healing journey and how it has begun. A lot has happened to me, for me. I want to use the word for me. A lot has happened for me the past four weeks that have been really hard and challenging and I want to I want to share it. I want to share it with with you guys, um, because I I feel like if there's a, a deep lesson in it for me, then there's a lesson in it for everyone. Because I know that there are people listening that are on their healing journey, and sometimes when we mirror our healing journeys for each other, we actually resonate with it, and we can learn mm-hmm. from each other. And so. My point, my my goal for being extremely vulnerable and open, and I'm I'll be honest, I'm terrified. I'm terrified to share my story. But my my goal is so that there are people out there that can benefit from it and that they can um they can maybe use what I have learned along my journey in their own healing journeys. So people are probably like, what are you talking about, Janique? Um you guys, I've we're coming on the one year anniversary of Tristan's death, and with it comes anniversary PTSD. And I think, um, I think I have been going through a lot of PTSD emotions, and and I, um, I have stored a lot. I've pushed down a lot of emotions in my body for six years, and I think it was a straw that broke the camel's back in me because I started to manifest symptoms in my body that were very scary for me. And what's interesting is I have become an expert pathologist. I love to look at (laughs) symptoms and I love to find Mm -hmm. how people's bodies broke down and how we can fix them up. And what's really interesting is my body started to manifest symptoms that I couldn't understand. How fun is that? It's like normally I'm like, oh, it's this or this or this. And I'm literally like drawing blanks. I'm like, this is the strangest group of symptoms I have ever come across. Right. And maybe that's probably for the best so that you don't end up getting stuck, locked down and diagnosing yourself with something and just taking it easy totally. with your body right now. Absolutely. So the past month I have been dealing with a lot of um, health issues, even to the point where I've kind of fired myself from work. I've, I've had to pull myself out of the office and out of work. Um, I, I can't, I can't have meetings because sometimes they trigger anxiety attacks I have anxiety attacks a lot and I have a lot of a lot of neurological symptoms that are not usual and and that's very scary for me. It's a it's a very vulnerable place for me to be in. But I want to tell you my story and why I how I think I got here and how I have found out that this is a gift. Um but before I do, I kind of want to give some trigger warnings. I'm going to be talking about cancer. I'm going to be talking about suicidal ideation. I'm going to be talking about a lot of dark, heavy things. So if you feel like you can't 
hear things like that. Or let me, let me talk with my cancer friends and audience. Um, I don't know if this might be a good episode for you to hear, but maybe have a friend hear it for you and then maybe give you the highlights. I'd like to put that out there because I'm going to be talking a lot about some heavy things. Um, I do still think this is a very important podcast for people to listen to because maybe the heaviness of it can resonate with the heaviness that you might be carrying because, uh, because here's why I, I got this quote like downloaded to me after a meditation this week. And, um, and I think it applies to all of us as I was coming out of like this 30 minute meditation, this, this line came to my brain and I texted immediately to Gina. I was like, Gina, what do you think of this? Yeah. But it's, um, what came to me was this ease is your internal mirror of the imbalance within your heart, mind, and soul. Your body is the interpreter of the energy you are carrying around. And so I, when I heard that in my mind, it was, it, it was kind of a reminder that I'm, I'm, I'm on the right track for my healing, that I'm actually looking at my internal state. And as I've been looking at my internal state, I am realizing that there's chaos. There's a lot of repressed anxiety and fear and chaos. And when I go into it, it's actually a very, very dark and scary place. Like my mind has created a lot of darkness. And I'll tell you why in a second. And so I have been reflecting on these imbalances in my body and recognizing that this dis-ease in my body is a reflection of the past six years of repressed emotion. And it's funny because Britt Lefko, I've been doing some coaching with her and one of my sessions with her, she says, I want today to talk to you about how you refuse to feel. And it's funny, you guys, this is why I want to share my story because I think I'm a really intelligent person and I thought I was doing the work and I thought I was doing the feels and she saw straight through me and she's like, you repress everything. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I cry all the time. But she was absolutely right. Like as we were going into the work and as I've been doing reflecting and I've actually been doing ketamine therapy and other EMDR therapy. And as I've been going deep in these therapies, I am recognizing how as a protective mechanism, I did not feel fear, anxiety, terror for the past six years because I realized that I, as a mother and a caretaker and a wife, I had to hold the fort down. There was no space for me to feel my feels because I was trying to protect everyone. I was trying to make everyone comfortable in a very uncomfortable journey. Obviously, because Tristan had cancer, I couldn't show him my, him my fear. I couldn't show him my terror. And it's interesting too, because as I've been going back into the work and as I've been going back into all this emotional distress, I have for the first time felt sadness for myself. I've been able to look back at my story and actually see a 28 year old young woman, 20 weeks pregnant, being told her husband had stage four cancer. And I have felt sadness for her for the first time. And I have felt compassion for her for the first time. And I've seen the burden that she's had to carry for six years. Now, a lot of you are probably thinking, well, Tristan only had cancer for five years, but then there's been the year after his death where I literally, in a trauma response, I just worked my ass off to not feel the terror that I stuffed in my body. And so upon this one year anniversary, it's almost like a gift from the universe where they're like, hey, let's take a look at everything you refuse to look at for the past six years. And it has been manifesting itself in the most terrifying ways. And it's been some of the hardest work that I've ever had to do. 
but here I am doing it. And a lot of people are probably wondering like, well, why aren't you going to see a doctor? And the time will come for that. I will go and see some doctors, but I'm, I'm actually taking my own advice. I'm doing the order of healing, right? And in the order of healing, mindset is number one. If I were to go to a doctor in the tumultuous state that I am in right now, I will not win. No matter what's happening in my body, I won't win because my mind is, it, it's funny, my friend says that your mind is your best friend with the worst advice. But if you want to co-create miracles of healing, you have to let your heart and your soul be the leader. And for the past six years, it's only been my mind that's been the leader. My mind has been running the show. My mind has been cerebral. My mind has been formulating and formulating and co-formulating and, and creating content and, you know, learning and learning and science and biochemistry. And it's just been this masculine force of let's figure out, let's figure out, let's figure out. And I've been so masculine in the last six years that I have, that I've actually not been able to drop into my heart and into my soul and allow healing to happen. I've actually created a lot of mental chaos in my mind where I haven't been able to sleep. I haven't been able to rest. And so let me tell you the story. So let's, let's start from the beginning. I kind of did. I was 28, almost 29, 20 weeks pregnant when Tristan was diagnosed with cancer. And it was the most terrifying day of my life. That's when all safety left. My, my heart, my soul, my body, it was gone. It's absolutely gone. But there were no words for that, right? Because you're just going through the motions and, and you're just doing, right? You're, you're trying to use your mind to formulate, to formulate answers, and so, you know, we did the whole year of chemo and radiation and surgery after surgery after surgery. And um, during that time, I had Satori. I was raising Tennyson. I was cooking all day long, trying to make healthy meals. Um, and then that's when the doctors a year later were like, Tristan does have a, have a lot of time left. So what did we do? We moved back to Utah and somehow created a clinic. And I became a workaholic because I wanted to get the answers. I came again I just wanted to find how to heal, how people heal all the time. What is the answer? So I became an expert, right? And in doing so, I, again, came from a very mind space, mind, 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 science, science, science. And I shut my heart down even more and more and my intuition down even more and more. And people that have been on this journey will understand that there, is, there are so many scary days. There's, and a long, and it's funny because in my ketamine session, and I'll talk about my ketamine sessions in a little bit, but in my ketamine session, I think I was telling Gina, you know, when a prison, like when, when people are at war and they, they have PTSD from a battle or something and, and some people might be offended by this and I'm so sorry if you are, but I hope you can understand what I'm saying. They, they have a one day, one day of trauma, right? Where they're seeing their people die. And, and that creates PTSD and, and they're dealing with PTSD for who knows how long from one day of watching people die violent deaths. I envisioned my husband die hundreds of times over and over. Every time we got bad news, every time he had a symptom, every time I would touch the cancerous lymph node on his neck or see the cancerous lymph node on his neck or every time he inhaled and he whistled because he had cancer in his lungs, I was triggered. It was like every time I saw a symptom, I saw his death. 
And so it was like watching him die possibly thousands of times. And I think I told you, Gina, I was like, I wish it was just a one day thing. Like where it was just, I didn't have to see this over and over and over. And the thing is like these emotionally charged thoughts ingrain themselves in your cells, in your nervous system, you know, and, and they affect you. They affect your, they affect how you view the world. Right. And so it's so interesting people are like, you're so happy and cheery and stuff. And it's true, but I'm like that duck on the, on the lake, right? The duck is calm, but the legs underneath are just going, 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 going. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that you really had to, like, when you think about, um, yeah. when you're saying that you just lived in your mind and I think that you had to for survival or else right. you wouldn't be able to make it with kids and and work and taking care of Tristan. It's like, if you don't go into up into your mind and disconnect Mm -hmm. from your emotions or how physically exhausted you are, Mm -hmm. it's like, you wouldn't be able to survive. Well, and the thing is like, as a caretaker, you don't have the ability to share your fears with your partner. You can't because they're drowning as it is. You can't show them that, that I couldn't show him. I was drowning too right? I would have to have hard conversations and he could freak out, but I had to keep my cool and I had to push everything down and I'd have to be the rock, right? And be like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I've got you. You can freak out. You can have a panic attack. And it was so funny, not funny. None of this is funny, but, um, man, it's funny because as I'm doing EMDR and as I'm doing ketamine therapy, I'm recalling memories a lot of really scary memories where I'm like, oh, that's where I dishonored myself by pushing that emotion down. That's where I dishonored myself by pushing that emotion down. That's where I lost more safety in myself. That's where I lost more safety in this life, in this life. And I want to like, I think it's also important too to just bring a little bit of light to somehow, sometimes how powerful our language is. And I'm just hearing you saying I dishonored myself by not feeling. And I think that there's something really beautiful about what you did, the gift that you gave to Tristan by showing up and being strong. And I, you know, I don't think that that means that you shouldn't be able to feel your feelings, but what you did was so beautiful to be able to stay strong and do that for him and for your kids and even for yourself, Mm -hmm. because I know it sounds great to say, yeah, feel your feelings in the moment when it's there, but right. could you make it through feeling all of the feelings that you needed to feel? I don't know, but, but I, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I could, I could look back at everything and be like, Tristan, you robbed me of this and this and this, like you robbed me of so much. Right. I wish I'd never met you, but holding this space for Tristan as he did his life's mm-hmm. work and as he exited this world was one of the best, like one of the greatest honors of my life. Cause he was such a special yeah. soul. Like Tristan was special people that met, like, it's funny people that have met him are like, I'm so glad I knew Tristan. I'm so glad I get to talk to mm-hmm. him just that one time or, you know, because Tristan, like he, he left a mark, right? It was beyond yeah, words. It, it, it's like a soul heart mark, right? Especially in his last days when he started healing his heart. Um, and I've had people say, man, I wish I'd missed Tristan. I, I wish I had met Tristan. My wife met Tristan and I just wish I could have met him and spoken to him just one time, you know? And so mm-hmm. it was one of the biggest honors of my life to be able to walk him through that. And so I, I, I kind of want to, that was a soul contract that we had. I know it. 
I know before we came. And I, I think that's so important to talk about too, because we do, we do talk a lot about how, if we hold on to these emotions, they manifest into health problems or right. how important it is to feel, give yourself permission to feel emotions so that they don't build up, but to not always have anger with ourselves right. and, and to say that it's very dishonoring to ourselves just because mm-hmm. maybe that was the way that you had to honor yourself in that moment to be able to get through it. it sometimes, absolutely. Sometimes is. the situation is just too intense to be able to even feel and deal with those emotions absolutely. as they're coming up. Absolutely. Like you couldn't, right? When you're in it, yeah. you actually, right. you, you have no space to step back and be like, whoa, let's process this. Cause you're still in it. There's right. no, there's no bandwidth to process and, and move right. things through. Right. And you can't do it by mm-hmm. yourself right? I've learned that I have to use EMDR and ketamine to blast me open and look at these wounds that are way too terrifying to look at. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, but, but, you know, towards the end, the the last two months of Tristan's life, they were really intense. And like, he was having multiple panic attacks a day and they were so bad and they were so intense that like people would actually leave. They're like, we don't know what to do. And they would leave him to me to, to handle it. Right. And so I would, Mm. so I would, I would sit with him and I'd massage him and I talk him through it, but to watch your best friend, your husband, the father of your children just suffer so slowly and painfully mental anguish, like you've never seen before. It's funny because this anniversary PTSD that I'm feeling, it's almost like what I watched him experience. I have been experiencing. It's like, I absorbed all of that stored it away. And now I am, I feel so vulnerable that it's actually coming out and I'm experiencing it. And it's the mm-hmm. like, I would and, imagine being with him that you're absorbing that energy and the fear and the way that you were able to show up. And I'm sure a lot of people who hold the space mm-hmm. for people who are really struggling with health issues, you're also holding the space with love, but you're holding right. their fear, you're holding their right. worries. And I'm sure your body is just receiving and holding on to all of that information right. that's coming from their body and their emotions. Tristan used to talk about mirror neurons you know, like when, what we're seeing, we're mirroring, right. And we're embodying Mm. and like, and I, I looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, I was totally storing. And, and again, my mind, right. The, the mind is, is just store collecting data so it can use it later. Right. And so I've been, so as I have been symptomatic in my own body with my own stress and trauma, my, my mind, which is my best friend with the worst advice is like, look, you're dying. You're, you're going down the path Tristan is going. Yeah. You, you are dying. And so it literally feels like I am dying. It literally feels like I have cancer. It literally feels like I'm going down the path Tristan is going because that's all I saw. You know, and it's funny because I, I say all the time, you can heal, right? But for the past six years, I watched someone die. And so my truth right now that I am, re, that I am getting to rewrite, but my truth has mm-hmm. been, and I didn't know this, and this is the interesting thing too, because I've been saying mm-hmm. on the podcast and, and the Zoom, like, you can heal. I see you guys heal, but my, my mind has been telling me, no, people die. People die this long, is a painful good, death. This would be a really good Brit lesson. Yes. You're pulling information from the mm-hmm. past. That's mm-hmm. all the only information that my brain is mm-hmm. attaching onto is right. that people don't make it. People do die. They, right suffer through their symptoms and then they die. Right. But moving into infinite possibility and and healing that trauma that you absorbed from Tristan. Well, and and what's funny is like, 
again, I'm again, my brain is so smart at telling me stories, right? Where it's like, I believe that you can heal. And yet my mind is like, no, this, this is what everyone will go through in your life that you love. Right. And so I, I have been recreating it at some point. We we all will die at some point, which is the scary truth. Mm -hmm. And I maybe even finding in that, like letting that be our, our deeper appreciation for life. Cause the truth is at some point, at some point we all will. Right. But, but hopefully not a long and painful death, like what I watched. Right. Because that's what my mind tells me. It's like this, like it's long and it's painful and it's traumatizing. And this is, this is how it's going to end for everyone. Mm -hmm. And look, it's happening to you right now. That's my PTSD talking to me. And so the reason why I share this is because where in your lives have you experienced heightened emotional events and has that stored in your body? Because I or, lit- or held the space for someone else or held the space for someone else, body. right? Like where have you had arguments or experienced verbal or physical or sexual abuse? And that's been stored in your body and you don't even know it, right? Like I had no idea all of this was in me. I had no clue. And again, I'm gutsy mom. I do these things. I co-teach, you know, mindset things. And I have like, blah, blah, blah. Like I talk about this day in and day out. Like it's my, I've made it my life's mission. And I was so blind to all of this inside of me. And so, and this is why I say my body gifted me illness because, and and it's taken me a lot of meditation to get to this point where I'm like, it took literally breaking my brain Mm -hmm. for me to actually go internal into my heart and be like, what the hell is in here? What is happening? What have I refused to feel? I think it feels confusing, but to our minds, because your mind is like, wait a minute, why would I be processing all this emotion and this fear and this trauma right now? But it kind of reminds me of what our friend Jonathan said. Um, He said, your body will start to process all the fear and the emotions and the things that you've held on to when it feels safe to do it. It feels safe, right? And like, just as when I think my life was getting amazing, this like bomb just- That's when it comes up. Yeah. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to go back. So a year ago, Tristan was a week away from death and it was awful. And I had some really horrible conversations with, you know, all his care people. And, um, again, it's just all these memories that keep coming up and then, and then Tristan died. And then I thought that was it. I'm done. I I'm free. I am liberated from this, this cross. Right. And like a good studious woman, what did I do? I threw myself into my kids and work. I took off three weeks. Tristan died. I took off three weeks and I was back at work again. But in those three weeks of my vacation, my, my time was with my kids, trying to reconnect with my kids and heal my kids. And so again, this is all my trauma response to not feel what was happening inside me, to not go back and say, what the hell just happened? What did I go through? And how do I release this from my nervous system? Because I wasn't sleeping. I was hardly eating. I lost a lot of weight. And for me to like just have Tristan die and be like, okay, let's get back to normal. That was my trauma response, right? And so again, I want people to look at your lives. If you are experiencing dis-ease or disease, it's your internal mirror of the imbalance within your heart, mind, and soul. Your body's interpreting, that's how your body is interpreting the energy you're carrying around. And so if you're saying, I have disease and I don't have emotional stuff, I thought that too, right? And so, so it really is going to take, 
I love that our bodies gift us dis-ease to give us an opportunity to stop and take a look and be introspective and be like, okay, let me unpack the energy that is creating this. And, and it might take a lot of soul searching. For me, it took feeling like I was dying, panic attacks every day, multiple ketamine sessions, EMDR to, to really break open and be like, whoa, there's stuff here. And so I want to go into that a little bit more in a second, but let me go back to Tristan dying. Tristan died. I took off three weeks. Those three weeks were mostly with me and my kids. And then I was in the throes of work again. And I just worked my butt off. And um, because we were moving to, first I had to make the decision, do I close down Provo Health or do we do we take the next steps into moving to the new location? Because the building people were like, hey, are you buying this building or not? And I was like, I don't know. My husband just died. Give me a second, right? And then I decided, yeah, let's do it. And that was a huge, a huge responsibility of finances and project planning and so many things. Like, what was I thinking, right? I wasn't. I was in a trauma response. I was keeping myself busy to not feel all the terror that I had felt for the past five years. So I went back to work. I threw myself in my work. I threw myself in the project of the new Provo Health. And I, I, I met someone. I met someone in September and we fell in love and like everything was great. Right. And, um, see, I'm healing. Things are great. Life is great. Nothing to see here. Nothing stored in my nervous system, folks. I'm fine. And, um, I got COVID in November and I almost died and that was terrifying. But again, it was over and I stuffed it down. You know, my kids asked me, mom, are you going to die too? That was heart-wrenching, but I refused to feel it. I couldn't feel that. I couldn't. I felt the outer edge of how painful that question was. I felt the outer edge of the terror that my kids were feeling. But I couldn't, I couldn't fully lean into those feelings because I, 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 at this point, I had had five years of learning how to repress my emotions. Um, come New Year's, where the, the building is being built, there's a lot of stress, a lot of financial burden, a lot of trading, a lot of moving parts, right? And I was still working full time. And around March, I got really ill. I got really sick. And, it, and um, I don't know what it was. It, like, it felt like Epstein-Barr. It felt like um, mono. And it, it, was, it knocked me out. And, but, but even being knocked out... I had to take off work, but I took my kids on a vacation anyways. And I was as sick as a dog because my kids need a time with mom. Right. So I want people to see how I've dishonored myself. And, and, and I always say like, take care of yourself. Right. But this is one of those podcasts where it's like, do as I say, not as I do. Don't do this to yourself. Don't throw yourself in projects. Don't like take care of you. Right. Look how I didn't take care of myself. I took care of everything around me, the business, my children, whenever I could. And I was always stone cold last always. Even when I was ill, I had to take off work, but still took my kids on vacation, just popped ibuprofen because they needed mom time. Right. And I couldn't, I couldn't just sit in bed all day. I had obligations to people. People relied on me. People depended on me. Like the world still had to go on. And I had this enormous responsibility of figuring out how to be a single mom to children who are grieving. That's, that's hell on earth. It's awful. I don't wish that for anyone. And yet this was what I had to deal with. 
So I got sick. I like, it was the weirdest thing. I was so ill. And I was like, this is new. I think this is Epstein-Barr. I don't know, but it felt viral. It felt aggressive. And two weeks later, I'm better. So I go right back to work. And a week later, I'm sick again. And I have the exact same symptoms. It was really, really weird. And I was like, okay, then I got better. But then all of a sudden, I started during consults, I started having panic attacks. And I would just have to push them down. I couldn't have clients see that my heart was racing and I was sweating and I was having a hard time concentrating. And it got more frequent and more frequent and more frequent. And then my vision started looking, going different. I was like, that's weird. And again, the story is I'm just, I'm just stressed. I'm just stressed. And then I started getting neurological problems of muscle spasms and tremors. And I was like, that's weird. And then all of a sudden the PTSD kicked in and I was like, you're dying. This is something that's incurable. It's probably a tumor. It's probably this. It's probably MS. It's probably POTS. It's probably, you name it. I've lived it. And all of a sudden, all the stress and all the pressure and all the moments that I dishonored myself by not resting and healing came to a full crescendo. And I started to live in my mind of worst case scenarios and PTSD and panic attack after panic attack after panic attack. And it got so bad that I couldn't sleep. And, and it's funny, I actually got angry at my doctor because my doctor was like, a panic attack lasts 20 minutes. And I, I wanted to say bullshit. I had a panic attack all night long. It wasn't 20 minutes. Like, I wish it was a 20 minute panic attack. I just had wave after wave after wave. Like, this was excruciating, excruciating. And so my staff, like, they've all picked up on it. And they're like, Janique's not okay. Like, I would come out of consults crying, right? Because, and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, I just need to breathe, right? I wasn't okay. And my body started manifesting tons and tons and tons of trauma and these neurological responses. So, well, let me rewind. I've had to take off multiple weeks of work when there are meetings. I'm like, I can't meet with you. I can't think straight. I can't, like, it's hard for me to breathe. It's hard for me to compute sentences. It's hard for me to even brush my teeth. It's hard for me to function. I feel completely disabled and all I'm living in is a nightmare of worst case scenarios, right? my mind, it, it felt like my mind literally broke. And, um, and so last week I called Gina, <laughs> my angel, my, 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 uh, my fairy in this world. Um, and I was like, Gina, I need, I need you to come. I'm, I'm not in a good place. And she did, she flew in. And last week I started ketamine therapy and, um, my first therapy session, it just it was actually really beautiful. It like, it broke the cycle of the, the intense trauma and gave me some reprieve because all I was like, I was just in this trauma response over and over and over reliving my worst nightmares over and over. Like it literally felt like I was Tristan and I was dying. And like, and literally I, I had a conversation with Gina and I'm like, Gina, when I die, like here are these ways that you can take care of my kids. You'll have this and this and this and you'll have my life insurance and like please just take care like this was literally going through my mind like I was in the deepest darkest places and so ketamine helped take the edge off of that and help me be functional even though I was still 
borderline panic attacks. I wasn't full-blown panic attacks. But I want to talk about my second ketamine session. So in my second session, it broke me open. Um, And uh, ketamine is a dissociative, right? What happened was it showed me the shadows of my subconscious and conscious mind. And because my mind has been running the show and creating these worst case scenario stories, all of those stories are within my body. And I was drowning in those stories and those shadows in this ketamine session. And they were so painful and they were so dark and they were so hard to feel like everything that I didn't feel in the past six years, I was feeling in that moment and I begged for death. I didn't want to live. But the only thing that that kept pushing me through was the faces of my children. I was like, I have to live for them, even though this is the worst, like this is the worst thing I could ever feel. Like I had so much compassion in that moment for people that ended their life, for people that want to die. I had so much compassion for extremely mentally ill people, people that suffer from the worst mental health issues. I felt like I was right there with them, living my worst nightmare over and over, stuck in the throes of torment. It felt like hell inside my head and I didn't want to be there and I didn't want to be here and I wa- I wanted it to end. And I and it was like my body was showing me this is what you haven't felt for 6 years and it was enough to turn a sane person insane. And so in that moment I was like, I have to change. I have to keep doing this work. I have to keep going. That was terrifying and I have to keep going. So I did a lot of integrating of that. It was hard. It was terrifying. But I realized that I had to start meditating. I had to, I have to befriend my mind again because my mind has been trained to be the best pathological finder on the planet. One of the best, I think. I am really good. At, it's And so here's a little insight to my mind. You guys, I'm sorry if I'm waffling, but I can look at someone and see inflammation in their skin. I can look at hormonal imbalances. I can see if they're not absorbing the minerals by how brittle their hair is. I can see if they have scoliosis. I can see if they have eds. I can, I can read people like a book because I have designed my mind to look for the worst health imbalances because I created a career out of it. I did it for Tristan. I help people with their health issues. It's my job to super sleuth. And that turned into my personal life that bled into my personal life and became my own personal hell. And so all I see is worst case scenarios, right? And, and I'm trying to formulate best case scenarios for people, but it's, it's become this unbalanced energy. And so I realized if I created this personal hell in my mind, I, I need to uncreate it. So after my second ketamine session, I realized I've created this hell in my mind. I, I get to uncreate it. And how do you do that? Well, I started diving deep into meditation and people were like, just start with 10 minutes. But being the person that I am, I started with an hour and I would do 20 minutes here and 10 minutes there. And every time I felt fear in my body, I would go into a deep meditative state. And I want people to understand because again, the first part to the order of healing is mindset. You have to get your mind on board. I realized in these ketamine sessions, I will not heal until I can manage this energy in my body and, and co-create 
a lighter future because all I've been creating in my mind is darkness. And so the best way to do that is meditation and movement. So I became a meditation queen. And you guys, I want to tell you, like, I've never meditated. I've never had a meditative practice in my life. But meditation has saved my life. It really has. And because of my desperation, I dive deep into meditating. I downloaded all the apps. I do programs. I do 10-minute breathing things. I do visualizations for about two hours a day now. And it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I didn't realize that. Again, I did actually know that you could do this, but it took breaking my brain to change. And that is the gift of disease. Disease breaks us into something that can be beautiful. Because if we can create disease, we can create health. If we can create darkness, we can create light. Like we are creators in this world. And that's what I got out of my ketamine is I have stuffed so much darkness. I get to create something new. It might take me months. It might take me years. This could be an entire life's practice. But I would have never dived so deep into this work if I didn't feel like I was losing everything, if I didn't feel like I was losing my sanity, if I didn't feel like I was losing my life or my kids or my health. And so it's taken a lot of pain and a lot of meditation to realize that this, that this dysfunction in my body is protection. It's a protection from myself because how I was living and conducting my life was unhealthy for me. It dishonored me every single day. And it literally had to disable me so that I could take a look at myself and start feeling love for myself and compassion for myself and that I could start pouring my energy back into myself and not my children and not people around me and not my business. It had to be me. It literally stopped me in my tracks and said, if you don't change, you're going to kill yourself. I was killing myself because I was terrified to feel what I refused to feel for six years. And so I dive deep into these meditative practices. And for the first time in weeks, I started feeling safety in my body again. It was fleeting a lot, but again, I just had to go back into my meditative practices and lay down and do deep breathing and affirmations and um, visualizations. If people are wondering what apps I use, I love Insight Timer. It's phenomenal. I love Headspace. Um, They are both phenomenal meditation apps. I do them every day, multiple times a day. I have started doing hyperbaric oxygen therapy to help heal my brain and my nervous system. Whatever kind of inflammation or autoimmune or whatever is in there, I want to heal it. And again, I can only heal it if I stop the thing that is causing it in the first place. And the thing that's causing it in the first place is the darkness of my mind. And so, again, that's why meditation is more key than any treatment on the planet. It's more key than any supplement. It's more key than any kind of food or whatever. If your mind is not on board, because your mind is the conductor, your mind is the thermostat. If it is broken, the house is going to be too hot or too cold, right? You can't, you will not heal until your mind is in alignment with healing. And my mind hasn't been in alignment with healing. My mind has been in the throes of PTSD and trauma. And so I honestly, a week ago, did not believe I could heal. I didn't. I didn't. And I'm gutsy mom. I teach people how to heal themselves and I see it every freaking day. People say all the time how they feel so much better when they're doing programs and changing their lives. And here I was sitting and my most subconscious thought was, you are going to die a pain and slow death and watch how you do it. That was what was underneath all of my pain and trauma. 
was that belief. And so meditation has saved me. So when I'm having symptoms, I go back into a deep meditative state and I have to re-regulate my nervous system and I have to bring my heart rate down, right? Because it can go into the 80s and the 90s because I'm about to have a panic attack and I'm like, nope, let's re-regulate. Let's go back into safety. And I have to put the dimmer switch on my mind and the, and I have to put the dimmer switch up on my heart and my soul. And so I'm doing a lot of trying to connect with my heart and my soul. And what is my heart saying about the situation? What is my soul saying about the situation? Because when I am symptomatic with all these neurological things, my mind says it's MS, it's POTS, it's, a, it's cancer, it's this, it's that. My mind is trying to create a solution. But what my heart is telling me is, hey, you need to slow down today. We're trying to protect you from yourself. We're trying to let you move this energy through you. Can you slow down and allow it to move? Because we can self-regulate, just let us, right? That's what my heart is trying to say. That's what my, my soul is saying. My soul is saying, we're trying to save you by slowing you down. So allow it, right? So I, I go into my third ketamine session, right? I'm hopeful but apprehensive because I've had a good one. I've had a bad one. And it was interesting because my third one, I was, I was in a cave. I was in, I call it my pain cave. And the cave was full of shadows and monsters. And if I fought the shadows and the monsters, they would consume me. And I would feel all the pain that I felt in the previous ketamine session, the one where I was begging for death. And, um, but if I laid there in stillness and calm, they didn't consume me. They just watched me. And I had this moment in my session where I was like, I created these monsters. I created these shadows let's see if I can uncreate it. And I try to think of light and I try to think of like rainbows and I try to think of stars. And it was, it was shown to me in that ketamine session, you have not trained your mind to do that yet. This is your work. And I was like, okay. So I literally throughout that whole session for like an hour and 20 minutes, I'm like, I'm just going to lay here in terror and I'm not going to fight. But I came out of that with this realization of I have work to do. My brain has been trained to look at worst case scenarios. And now my work is to train it to look for best case scenarios. My, my work is to allow my heart to lead me to magic and miracles. Because I absolutely, I actually do believe that you can heal yourself. And, but when I'm in my, in my trigger and my trauma, I don't believe that. But now I get to do the work and find that truth again and live that truth and embody that truth, that I will heal myself, not from my mind, but from my heart, through my soul, because we are these cosmic beings having these human experiences and our, and our cosmic self, our, our spiritual self has all the answers, has all the power, right? We are these co-creators. And when we step into our heart space and our soul spaces, that's when we create miracles for ourselves. And so I came out of that ketamine session terrified, obviously, because I was just being stared down by my monsters and my demons. And my higher self was showing me, look at what you've created. And now my work is that I get to uncreate it. And so that's where I'm at right now, you guys. I am, I am teaching myself to uncreate so that I can create good things, that I can create light 
that I can create love, that I can, cre- it's funny, the symbol that comes to me every time I'm in meditation is rainbows and unicorns. And I think of all the unicorns that I have in my life. I have you, Gina. You are such a unicorn in my life. Like the universe, <laughs> you guys, the universe loves us. And I sit here and I'm like, the universe loves me because it's cradling me with all these unicorns. You're a unicorn, Gina. Like my mm-hmm. children are my unicorns. My Aww. friends are my, like my friends show up for me. Your children when, are definitely your unicorns. Right? Ryan, my boyfriend, he's such a unicorn. Like I'm like, oh, yeah. as I am doing this work, I am just upheld by all these unicorns. And Tristan sends me rainbows all the time. And it's, and it's being in awe of, and sitting in that gratitude that helps to shift my mind and not marinating in the worst case scenarios that are happening in my body. And so mm, I had a beautiful, that's med- beautiful. I had an amazing meditation the other day where I went back into my pain cave of shadows and of monsters. And I sat there and I wondered, can I create light? And as I said that a star showed in between all the shadows and I went and I, and I went to touch the wall where the star was and the star turned into a rainbow and it started pushing the shadows away. And it was kind of like in my meditation, my mind was like, you're doing it. Like you're, you're, you're moving it, but we still have a lot mm. of work to do. And so where am I right now? Where am I in my healing journey? <laughs> I don't know. I feel really good today. I mean, I feel, I feel like I've turned a corner. I've been doing, like I said, hyperbaric every day. Um, there's a, there's this spa next to my office, Provo Health. It's called um, Soul Inception. They just opened. They do cryotherapy and PEMF and all of these therapies. And I just, I became their first member because I, I, I tried it out. The owner was there. I think her name's Michelle. And, she, and it was so funny because I was terrified. Again, I'm showing up. I'm having my neurological issues. She's like, what do you need help with? And I'm like, well, I feel like my body is breaking down on me. And she's like, come, let's try the cryo. And I'm like, will you get in with me? I'm terrified, right? Because again, my PTSD, I'm scared of everything, right? And so, so here she is getting in the cryo machine with me and we're freezing our butts off. And I get out and I feel amazing. I felt high. Like, I was just like, this is yeah. amazing. I was like, I'm sold. I'm like, what is your platinum membership? I'm sold. I'm going to get in this every day. So I'm doing my hyperbaric, I'm doing my ozone hocket, I'm doing the cryo, I'm doing their PMF mm-hmm. table. Soul Inception, you guys, they're phenomenal. And they're right next to my clinic. Like literally we're neighbors. We, we, isn't that so cool? so cool? And so my logo is beautiful too. I know, right? I'm meditating like two hours a day. Maybe I'll do it up to three. I don't know. But I feel like I'm turning a corner. I really do. And I don't know what's going on in my body and I don't want to name it and I don't want to label it. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to come at my symptoms from a mind place because my mind got me here. So I don't want to go to a doctor and pathologize it and be like, it is this because in this moment that I'm in, where I'm at emotionally, spiritually, where I'm at in my heart space is I have all the answers. I have the ability to move this energy through me and out of me because it's just trying to tell me that it's there. Of course, I'm having neurological issues. My nervous system is fried. You know, you know, like the saying where people are like, oh, I'm just fried. I'm so fried right now. Like I literally fried my brain from all the cortisol coursing through my body for six freaking years. Like I fried my nervous system. And it's funny too, because every time I come out of a ketamine session, 
it literally feels like my nerve endings are fried. My brain is, it's like in my nerves. Like I've seen it in my nerves in my ketamine sessions. Right. And it's terrifying. I'm like, all of this trauma is in my nervous system. Of course, my brain is broken. <laughs> like, of course, because that's where the energy is stuck. And so my job is to just move it. I'm just moving it. And I'm being really gentle. I, I can't show up for work right now. And so you guys, I want you to realize what a magical human Gina is. Like she, oh she flies gosh. in when I ask her to. Oh. I mean, like, like I act like she doesn't have a life outside of me, but I, I secretly love that I get to hog her from time to time <laughs> because she's this magical human. But like she oh. flies in, she's been taking Sorry. on all the gutsy member stuff, like single-handedly I like there's so many zooms where I'm like I can't make it like I don't feel good mm -hmm. enough because as soon as my cortisol goes up I start getting dizzy and I start having all of these neurological issues and my vision and then and then I'm starting to have a panic attack and so I'm spending the whole hour just repressing these panic attacks right and so um, I'm actually surprised I got through this episode Gina like I didn't think yeah, I would be able I'm to so record this and that's why I'm like I'm, I'm turning a corner right? Like I'm turning. A it's corner. actually kind of cool. It might actually evolve the direction of, of how your creation mm -hmm. uh, is actually shared with the world now, because, you know, we've always, especially you have always been the, you know, let's go, let's, let's go. We're so petty. Yay. You know, yeah. Uh -huh. and, and, and now it might actually evolve into uh -huh. this creation of calm groundedness I, in, in the same information, right? The same information, <laughs> but less like happy puppy, right? Creating a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I like, I've literally, as I've been going through my healing journey, I've questioned everything, right? I've questioned, like I created a company in trauma. I created a podcast in trauma. Yeah. I did all of this in trauma and now I get to rewrite my story and I get to say, what do I want to keep? What, mm. what really is like, what feels good to me and you guys underneath all of this soul searching at my core what I want to be as a mom <laughs> I want I want to be a mom I want to be a playful mom that's with her children all the time and I lost that I lost that as Tristan was diagnosed and now you know I get to do this meditative practice I get to become my own monk and I get to see what, what do I want to keep? Do I want to keep the Instagram? Do I want to keep the podcast? You know, it, it's beautiful because it's funny. I became my, my most symptomatic the day Provo Health was able to open their chambers. It's almost like my body fell over the finish line, right? And I have all the players in place and like Provo Health can run itself now. I've trained the coaches. Like I have my teams to run Provo Health. I, they don't need me anymore, right? And so they don't need me to, to work in the company. I just get to work on it occasionally when I have the bandwidth, right? And so it's, it's this it was this beautiful timing. Like it's, it's actually really amazing. A week ago, I was like, this is the worst thing that could happen to me and, I, and I'm begging for death. And today I'm like, the timing is so incredible. Like everything is incredible. What a gift this is to me to force me to slow down. And you guys, I am a, I am a powerhouse and it takes a lot to wrestle me and humble me. It takes a lot. It took this to shut me up, to slow me down and to be like, Janique, you're going to kill yourself if you don't stop. It was a big wake up call. And so I share this with you guys because I hope that it doesn't take a big wake up call for you guys. 
I hope it just takes gentle nudging. I hope that you can see me as an example of what not to do. Please honor yourselves. Please honor your pasts. Please honor the energy that you're storing in your body. I'm going to say this again. Disease is your internal mirror of the imbalance within your heart, mind, and soul. Your body is the interpreter of the energy you are carrying around. What is your body interpreting for you? What is the energy that you're carrying? Do you have health issues? If you said yes, ask yourself, what have you been What's inside of your cells to manifest that? Is it PTSD? Is it sadness? Is it feelings of worthlessness? Is it people-pleasing, loss, grief, lack of self-love? Do you have a perfectionism complex? At the core of every disease is a frequency, a wavelength that governs the DNA in cells to act and react in a certain way and to express and cover up certain genes. In our modern language, we call this epigenetics, which is the turning on and off of genes according to your environmental changes. But get this, what are the strongest and most powerful turner honors and offers of epigenetic genes? That I know that's not real language, but we're going to pretend it is. It's stress, it's sleep, it's emotions, and then it's food and chemicals, right? It's energetic frequencies that turn your genes on and off. So if there is disease in your body or dis-ease, ask yourself, what unresolved, unhealed, or unbalanced energy am I carrying around to provoke my body to react this way? Like have a heart-to-heart with yourself. Don't do another elimination diet. Don't do another fad detox. Don't do those things. Follow the order of healing. Get into the right mindset and frequency for health. Fix the control center, fix your brain, fix your mind, fix your subconscious thoughts. Put the dimmer on your mind and like turn up the dimmer on your heart and your soul and start connecting with that and allow your heart and your soul to govern your healing journey and watch miracles unfold. Miracles happen from a heart space. Disease happens from a head space. So Let's turn the headspace down, turn the heart space up, and watch yourself heal. I don't know what's in store for me. I don't know what my future looks like. This is a very scary podcast that I'm putting out into the world. But I feel confident in my ability to nurture myself from here on out, to honor myself. I never want to go through this hell ever again. It took going through hell It took experiencing all my worst fears in moment after moment after moment to realize that I have to have a course correction. It was a rude awakening and I'm really grateful for it. And I'm really grateful for the healing that I've already given myself. I've gifted myself over the past week and I'm going to keep diving into it. And I don't know what the future looks like for me. I have no clue. I don't know if I'm going to be podcasting. I don't know if I'm going to be Instagramming. I don't know. All I know right now is that I'm just meditating every day. (laughs) I'm trying to find peace and I'm working with my body and allowing my heart and my soul to tell me, what do I need to do today to heal myself? I feel myself turning corners. I feel myself being more grounded and finding more safety in my body. And that's the most healing bomb anything could ever give me more than supplements, more than food. It's what I am gifting myself. And so that's it. That's my long winded story of myself. And I hope that you guys have learned from it in a way of like, do as I say, not as I do, because look what I did. (laughs) 
I broke myself and now I get to unbreak myself and I get to, I get to the vision, the, the image that keeps coming to me throughout this is the caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. I've been a caterpillar for six years and I'm now in my chrysalis and the chrysalis is really painful. What happens to that caterpillar in the chrysalis? They, they turn into mush, mushy goo. I can't imagine that's comfortable for them. Maybe it is. I don't know. But my mushy goo state hasn't been comfortable. It's been very uncomfortable. And I'm still in my chrysalis. And my chrysalis has been the best gift in the world for me. And I know, and Gina, you told me this last week when I was in the throes of anxiety. And I'm like, I, this, this isn't worth it. You were like, Janique, you are going to come out better than ever. And I didn't believe that. And I believe it now, Gina. You just had to remind me several times a day when I was in the throes of anxiety and I was spiraling, you're like, Shanique, you're going to be better than ever. And I was like, no, I'm it's not. True. This is awful. It's I true. This. And you're like, <laughs> you are going to be a better version of yourself. And you guys, I feel that I actually do like this has felt, this has been a gift for me. This has been the best gift I could ever give myself. Like how amazing and intelligent are our bodies? Like dis-ease is a calling back to the self. If we are willing to take and heed to that call. And so, yeah, I don't know what's in future for me, but I'm hopeful. And I hope that you can hold that space for me too. And that's it. I think that was beautiful. I was beautiful. Thank you for sharing your story. Hopefully this is helpful for you guys. And I don't know, maybe if there's someone that comes to mind that can learn from this, send it their way. But um, I do, I do really mean this right now. I believe healing happens. You are your best healer. I feel that in myself right now. I feel that for you and never give up hope. There is always hope. I lost all hope last week in my ketamine session. Like I said, I did not want to exist anymore because everything that was inside me stored in me was excruciatingly painful. It mentally hurt. It physically hurt. It was soul hurt, but there's hope. And I feel like I'm on the other side. Maybe I'm not, maybe it's just a nice big loop, but I have hope for the future for myself and I have hope for the future for you. And so become your best healer. Only you can do it. Only you have that magic mojo inside of you. And that's it. You guys, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week. Maybe it'll be me and Gina. Maybe it'll just be Gina. I don't know. I just take everything moment to moment. Gina, if I haven't said this enough on air, (laughs) I freaking adore you. You are my magical human and like my Mm -hmm. angel and my unicorn and my fairy and my sister and everything. Like I owe you everything. I adore you and I and I'm so grateful that you do share and you get uncomfortable and you share your journey because it's it's beautiful what you're doing thank you thank you for sharing absolutely I love you you guys thank you for listening I know this is just one big story that I'm telling you guys but hopefully it's a story that brings to some people hope and inspiration on how their healing journey can look as well until next time Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health Podcast.